0: As we begin our message today, I want to ask you a question to reflect on. How do you feel when someone gets rewarded more than you for the same thing? How do you feel when someone gets rewarded more than you uh, when you do the same thing? So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, if you're in a work context, if you're employed at the same level as someone else to do the same duties as someone else, if you found out they were getting paid more than you, how would you feel about that? In a volunteer context, if you are volunteering in any sort of organisation and you're doing the same thing, putting in the same hours as someone else, and yet somebody else kind of gets praised for what they've been doing and you don't even get acknowledged, how does that make you feel? If you put a ton of work into an assignment, particularly maybe a group assignment at school or at uni, and you know that you've done a fair bit of work and someone else ends up getting a better grade than you, how does that make you feel? Even we know this can be a challenge with birthday gifts, that if your sibling ends up getting significantly more gifts than you, especially when you're a kid, that can kind of feel a little bit unpleasant you feel like you've been a bit ripped off if they're getting more presents or better presents than what you're getting. Most of us, when that sort of thing happens, feel like we've been really, really hard done by. We feel like it's not fair And that's true even if it's what we signed up for. So again, thinking about that job example, if we've signed up and we have said, yes, this is our contract and we've signed our work contract, we've agreed this is how much we're going to get paid. But even in that context, we've said, yes, this is what I'm expecting. When we find out someone else is getting something for doing something more for doing the same as us... Makes us feel a little bit unpleasant. So we're going to dig into those emotions today as we continue this series where we're talking about what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is defined as life the way that God wanted it to be. And we're taking a few weeks to dig into some of the parables, these ancient stories that Jesus used to tell uh, that were stories that are really great stories on their own, but have this amazing level of layers underneath them as you unpack what's really going on there. And Jesus used these stories as a way of us being able to understand this is what life is supposed to be all about and what does it look like for us uh, to live that way. So you have your teaching notes inside of your Connect newsletter, you can pull them out and uh, jot things down as we go through today's message. And if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 20 because that's where we're going to be looking. The context of this parable is once again our good friend Peter, who uh, speaks up. Jesus has been saying about how important it is to give things up in order to come and follow him. And Peter speaks up on behalf of everyone else, as he often does, and says, Jesus, we have given up everything to follow you. We've given up our work. We've given up our homes. We've left everything behind to follow you. Are we going to be looked after? Is everything going to be okay? That's the question that Peter is asking. And Jesus answers... With this line that then bookends this parable. So Jesus actually says these words just before the parable we're going to read, and then he says them, as we'll see at the end of this parable. Jesus responds by saying, The first will be last, and the last will be first. So let's dig in to this story that Jesus tells. Matthew chapter twenty, starting at verse one. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. So context of this is that in Jesus' day, and this is still true in lots of parts of the world, uh, there were lots of people who were employed as day labourers. So you wouldn't receive a job contract where you would work for the same organisation for a significant amount of time and go to the same workplace. Every morning you would get up and you would go to a central place, probably the town square, and you would wait And hope that someone would come and hire you for that day. And your hope was that if you could get hired, that you would then get paid enough that day to be able to effectively put food on the table. You can imagine how it must have felt to live that way. Every single day getting up and saying, I hope that someone comes and hires me today. Now, already we can understand a little bit of what Jesus is trying to tease out here as we think about what the kingdom, life the way that it's supposed to be, looks like. Because the landowner in this story is understood to be God. And so the recognition that Jesus is trying to say here is that God wants us to be participating with him. That God's desire for us is to be people who get an opportunity to come and work in his vineyard, to be a part of the work that God is doing. God wants us to feel like we're engaged. God wants us to have a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives, not feel like we're sitting around and don't have anything to do. But also we can recognise here that God wants to provide for us, that God wants to include us, not just so that we've got something to do, but also so that we have enough to be able to meet our needs. So you might want to just keep that in the back of your mind as we continue to unpack this image of what the landowner is doing. Well, in verse 3, at 9 o'clock in the morning, the landowner was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon and again at 3 o'clock. He did the same thing. This is really fascinating. We don't know whether the landowner happened to just be taking another trip back into town and happened to see some other people or whether he was intentionally going back into town to find some other people. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. He sees these people at 9 o'clock. The first people probably would have been employed at 6am, so as soon as the sun came up. 9 o'clock, goes in, finds some more people and says, I want you to come and work in my vineyard as well. At lunchtime, he's back there again, grabs some more people. And then at 3 o'clock... Pretty late in the day, he grabs some more people and says, I want you to come and work as well. So again, gives us a picture of what God is like, that God wants us to be included. God keeps looking, keeps inviting us, keeps giving us opportunities to be involved in the work that he's doing, but again, also wants to provide for us. Verse six, at five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around. So he asked them, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. Just put yourself in the shoes of one of these people. You've been waiting around all day, hoping that someone was going to come and employ you. And as the hours rolled on, as morning turned into afternoon, your sense of hope that you were going to get some work that day would have just gone feel like, well, that's it today. I guess we're not going to be able to earn any money, which means we're probably not going to be able to buy any food today. Imagine all the thoughts that you're processing through. Then at five o'clock, as the sun is beginning to go down, suddenly the landowner comes and he says, come on, you can come and work too. Imagine how you would feel. So again, is a reminder that God never waits, never says it's too late for you to join in. God always gives us opportunities to be able to come, even if it feels like it's getting later and later, God's heart is still to include us. Well, verse 8, that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. Now stop and think again about how you would feel if you were one of these people. So you get employed at five o'clock, your expectation would have been maybe I'll get a little bit. I know I haven't done a full day's work, I've only worked probably for about an hour or so, so I hope that I'm just going to get something and maybe we'll be able to scrape something together. And then you go up to receive your pay and you get a full day's wage, even though you've only worked for an hour. How would you have felt? It would have blown your mind. How generous how amazing is this landowner that he's willing to pay me for a full day, even though I've only worked for a little bit? The sense of provision that you would experience from that person, the sense of care that you would have received from that person. You would be amazed and so incredibly grateful. But now imagine that you're one of the people who's towards the end of the line, one of the people who started working at 6am. You're kind of looking down the line and you see, and there's kind of these rumours filtering back here hear? They, they paid those guys a full day's wage and only worked for an hour. So if you're one of these people, what would you have started thinking? You're guilty. I'm going to get paid a lot today because if he's paying them, surely that means that he's going to pay us like double time, triple time, quadruple time. Realistically, I've worked 12 hours. They work one. So maybe I'm even going to get 12 hours worth of pay today. This is going to be absolutely amazing. So verse 10, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. They're like, are you kidding me? We have worked all, did you see how many buckets of grapes that I picked today? You see all of that work that I've done? These guys show up, five o'clock in the afternoon, sun's already setting, it's already nice cool breeze kicking in, pick a couple of grapes and they get paid a full day's wage. We get paid the same as them? Are you joking? What's going on here? challenge for us is to say, well, what were their expectations at the beginning of the day? What did they originally sign up for? Again, put yourself in their shoes. Remember what it must have felt like at 6am. You're there with all of these other people just hoping that you might get employed today. That sense of relief when you finally do get paid. All of them would have had that experience in the morning to say, oh, thank goodness, today is covered. I'm going to be able to work. I'm going to get a day's wage. We'll be able to eat tonight. That's what they were feeling at the beginning of the day. So why did their expectations change so much? It's because they saw these other people getting the same as them. And that's a really important thing for us to recognise. These people didn't get paid more than them. They got paid exactly the same amount. But the issue is they didn't do the same amount of work. And we have to recognise all of these people had exactly the same needs. All of them had people that they were caring for and food that they needed to buy to be able to provide so that they could eat that night. But these people suddenly feel like they've missed out, that they've been ripped off. And we're challenged to say, is God's provision for us enough on a daily basis? What exactly would they have done with two days' wages or three days' wages or 12 days' wages if they had been paid the way that they were thinking? What would they have done with all that extra? They didn't need it. would have been very nice to have, though. That's where their expectations shift. Well, the landowner responds in verse 13. He answered one of them and said, "'Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go.' I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous just because I am kind to others? He gently tries to say, that, like, where's the injustice here? I haven't done anything that's unfair at all. Didn't I give you what I said that I was going to give you? Like, isn't at the start of the day you signed up, I said I would pay you a day's wage? That's what I've done. Where's the lack of fairness in what's going on here? So we can dig below the surface and really wrestle with whether we want other people to experience the same generosity that we experience, because that's what's going on for these people. They're not sure that they want the other people to experience the same generosity that they've received. Their focus has shifted from the generosity of the landowner to how hard they've worked. This sense of entitlement about, I've done all of this work. I mean, scorching sun, slaving away, it's not fair. All of that's shifted from that sense of how generous and amazing is it that this landowner comes and hires me. And their focus is completely missing the point that all of these other people got to experience that generosity and that provision in their lives as well. Remember what we said at the beginning. God wants us to feel the joy of participating and working together to feel the joy that comes from the generosity of knowing that God is providing for us. But God doesn't want us to just have that for ourselves. He wants that to be an experience that everyone gets to have. So the challenge for us is to say, is our focus on what we're doing and how hard we're working, or is our focus on God's generosity? It's not actually about how hard we slave away. It's not about whether we've done enough to be able to earn something. It's all about God's provision and generosity. Remember, the landowner didn't have to hire any of these people. He could have done the work himself, could have picked anyone. But he extends this generosity and provision to them. So as I was thinking this through, kind of came to this conclusion this week. That gratitude often turns to grumbling when we don't focus on God's generosity. Gratitude often turns to grumbling when we lose sight of God's generosity. I was unpacking this for myself and recognising that when I practise gratitude, when I take the time every day to say, God, thank you for everything that I've got, Thank you for the food that's on our table. Thank you for the money that we receive that enables us to be able to buy the food that's on our table. Thank you for the people who are a part of our lives. Thank you for the good things that are going on. When I focus on gratitude because I'm focused in on God's generosity, that gives me one posture. But when I lose sight of how generous God is towards me, when I stop practising gratitude, that's when the grumbling inevitably kicks in. For me, anyway, you might be different. But this sense of, what am I missing out on? It's not fair. How come that person gets this and I don't? My emphasis and my focus shifts in a significant way when I stop focusing on the gratitude that I have from God's generosity to me. That's when the grumbling kicks in. So in verse 16, Jesus wraps up by saying these words. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. This reminds us that the kingdom is so upside down. God's way of life is not the way that we generally expect it to be. God's kingdom is not about who works the hardest, about who deserves the most, who's at the front of the line and therefore should get paid first. The kingdom is all about God's generosity, about God's inclusion, about equality for everyone especially those people who often feel like they're at the back of the queue. So each week as we're unpacking these parables, we want to take them some time to say, "Well, what does kingdom living look like as we think about what we've talked about? What does it mean for us to live the way that God created us to live? And so as I said, if the kingdom is all about generosity, inclusion, equality, the sense of the first being last and the last being first, And we recognize that that creates this amazing sense of joy because it's not about us anymore. It's about what God has done and about God's generosity. Now, it's important to name that sometimes this parable has been used as a way of saying, see, it's okay, deathbed confessions work and you can get your ticket punched to heaven. The way that this parable has sometimes been used is to say, it doesn't matter how late in your life you choose to accept God's invitation you will get your ticket to heaven and you will receive eternal life. But we talk a lot about the reality that the kingdom is not just something that we wait for on the other side of this life. The kingdom is something that Jesus has brought to give us an experience in the here and now. And so it must be about something much more significant than that. It is about the recognition that it doesn't matter how long we've waited, God's provision is there for us. God's generosity is there for us. God wants us to be a part of the work that he's doing. He wants us to find meaning and purpose as we journey together. But our challenge is to turn that outwards and say it's not just about me. It's also about the way that I treat and focus on others. The way in which I invite others to participate with us in the work that we believe that God is doing. The way that we help to provide for one another and to share what we've got. And this beautiful picture that is replaced from instead of the grumbling about the fact that we feel like we were ripped off, this sense of being able to celebrate together, to say, isn't it awesome that all of us have had the opportunity to work together today? Isn't it amazing that God has provided for us in such generous, amazing ways? And as a community, we can gather together and celebrate that. I want to give us an opportunity to do a little bit of reflecting about that. And uh, the question that I'm asking is fairly pointed this morning. Am I grateful or am I grumbling? Am I grateful or am I grumbling? For some of us, it might be helpful to just take some time to say, how often am I practicing gratitude in my life? How often am I taking the time to just stop and to be able to be grateful for all that God has given to me? all of God's generosity in my life. Stopping and thinking about all the ways that God has provided for me. And recognising that all of that is not because I've worked hard enough. It's not because I've proven that I deserve it. It's just because of God's love and God's generosity and God's care and God's desire for us to have what we need. So for some of us, that might be a helpful thing to reflect on as we head into this week. Is to say, what does it look like for me to practise gratitude in a more intentional way. But for others of us, we might feel a little bit challenged about that recognition that sometimes our grumbling can kick in because we're spending too much time focusing on what other people are getting or spending too much time focusing on how hard we're working and how much we're trying to earn. Again, it's interesting to contrast those two pictures, what ended up happening where you've got these people grumbling and complaining about how hard done that by they've been compared to the picture that could have been there of them celebrating together and saying, isn't this incredible? I'm so glad that you've been provided for today. I'm so glad that you're going to have food to be able to eat tonight. That's awesome. How grateful are we that we've got this awesome landowner who provides for all of us and is so amazingly generous? That's the picture that could have been there, but the grumbling got in the way of that happening. So Is that because our attention is focused too much on other people and what they're getting? Is it because it's focused too much on how hard we're working? And do we need to correct a little bit and move back to practicing gratitude for God's generosity? Recognizing that ultimately God does treat every single one of us the same, and that's because of Jesus. Not because of how hard we work, not because of all that we manage to achieve, but just because of God's amazing love shown to us through Jesus. So I want to give you a couple of moments to be able to reflect on that. You can take some time to jot some thoughts down or to chat with the person next to you, Uh, but just be honest. Am I in a place of gratitude at the moment, a place of grumbling? As I'm heading to this week, what can I take away that helps me to live kingdom living in a greater way? Take some time to reflect, then we'll come back and pray and transition to communion. God, we are so grateful for your provision for us. We recognise that every day you give us what we need. And we're sorry that so often uh, we miss that. We forget to focus on that. We're focused on what other people have. We're focused on what we don't have. We're focused on the things that we want rather than the things that we need. And because of that, we can miss just how amazingly generous you are towards us. We thank you that you invite us to be part of the work that you're doing in your vineyard, this world that we live in. We thank you for the privilege that that is, to be invited in and to be able to work together in that. And we thank you for the challenge that comes from this parable today, that we recognise that so often we do think that it's about what we can do or about what we have done, how hard we're working, about what we deserve because of all the things that we're doing for you. We're sorry that that so easily creeps in to our mindset and that your heart for us is to recognise that we are accepted, we are loved, we're embraced, we're provided for, not because we've done enough to prove it, not because we've done enough to earn it, but just because you want to invite us to be a part of your family and to experience life the way that it was always supposed to be. And we thank you that you've done everything necessary for that to be a reality because of Jesus. So as we head into this week, my prayer is that you would continue to challenge us about that, that you would help us to practice gratitude, to be reminded about all that we do have, and that you would also remind us of those moments where that gratitude moves away and we instead instead turn to grumbling about what we don't have or what else is going on. In those moments, gently prod us, remind us about what we've talked about today, and help us to put our focus back on you and how amazing you are, and what it looks like for us to celebrate with other people as they encounter your generosity and provision in their lives as well. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So I'm black choice forward. He's going to lead us around the communion table.